So I haven't been everywhere on this planet, but I've been a few places. I've met a few people. I mean, everybody from Hindus and Muslims to Christians and Jews, black and white. What am I leaving out? Christians, Muslims, Hindus, uh, atheists, agnostics, communists, libertarians, conservatives, liberals, Democrats, Republicans, high, low. And so whenever I meet somebody, uh, you know, I just try to I just try to keep my eyes and ears open. I just try to see what kind of person they are. I really want to see if they kind of get along with me or not. And I want to see if, you know, being with me brings out the best in them. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does not. If it doesn't, that's okay. I just, you know, put my stuff back in my satchel and say, you're the reason I'm rambling on. So don't think twice. Because it's all right. I mean, I remember one time I was, uh, I had done a favor for a person. She was from India. I think her family had made a lot of money in Africa. So then they moved to the States. And they were very, I, I got to, I forget how I got to know her family. She and her husband and her kids. But I think her kid was just graduating from college. And maybe I'd done a resume for her and it was a good resume. By the way, pro tip on resume, I've read a lot of resumes, a lot of resumes. Here's what every single resume that I've ever read, 99% do. They always tell you what job you had and what your responsibilities were. I worked for McDonald's. I was responsible for flipping hamburgers. But almost every resume I ever, I've ever read left off the punchline. You have to tell people how well you did your job. In advertising, they call that feature benefit. The car is red. Chicks like red cars. What sells? The feature? The car is red or the benefit? Chicks like red cars. The benefits sell. And your resume is a marketing tool, right? It's not, you know, it's not a biography. It's a marketing tool intended to sell you to a perspective employer or a client anyway so whatever your job is you have to make sure you let people know you just weren't hanging around in the water cooler creating work for your bosses you were solving problems making a difference maybe you increased sales maybe you increased production maybe you decreased uh you know errors maybe you just did something i guarantee you did something Anyway, so that's what I did for that young girl whose parents that uh, were from India and were, were, you know, were very nice people. So uh, the, the husband traveled back and forth between the United States and India and Qatar. They had, they had a lot of business in the, per, in the, uh, the Gulf, too. And um, yeah, that's right. They, my brother-in-law was a priest over there in Qatar. That's how I met him. And so... Um, to thank me, she invited me over to, to have dinner at her house with a, just a couple people, maybe three or four people. I think the kids were there, the girl I helped. And, um, you know, she introduces me to this guy. This guy is the ambassador from India to the United States of America. It's just a couple of us. So anyway, I mean, I, I tell you the truth, I don't really keep that kind of company every day. So I got a kick out of meeting him. We talked about India. We talked about a book about India. I had recently read Shamantara, I think it's called. I always forget the name of it, Shamantara. But I was, so the dinner came and, you know, it was, it was served. Uh, they served us some kind of appetizer, then another appetizer, each time clearing away the plates. They did about three or four of these, and I was thinking, oh, okay, this is pretty good. Even though I, I'd still, you know, waiting for the main course to arrive so I could tuck into it and, you know, Eat something, not just finger food. So after about four or five of these little courses, they're clearing the plates away, and, and you know I'm still doing the, you know the the whole I'm cultured act. I'm still doing the the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain act, and uh, all of a sudden they're not bringing any more plates out. The plates are gone. Dinner is over. 
And they were Hindus, right? So they were vegetarians. They didn't know. They don't like going around eating cows. So when I looked at that, I immediately I didn't say, hey, you folks are crazy. No, I just acknowledged and recognized that my own limited experience with people from that part of the world left me unfamiliar with what were normal dining practices. But we had a very good time. So I'm just trying to tell you, I don't go around calling people crazy just at the drop of a hat. But I will tell you this. What you're about to hear on this next clip from NPR, what is it, a couple minutes long? Is absolutely, positively, 100% the craziest thing I have ever heard from somebody in the national media. It's about Antifa. It's about black and the black, their Black Lives Matter allies. Let's listen to it, then we'll then we'll get to the crazy part as soon as she's done. You know, they show up in the helmets and the black masks, and they've got clubs and they've got everything. Antifa! President Trump and his supporters portray Antifa, militant anti-fascists, as terrorists. They're held up as the left's equivalent of violent hate groups on the right. Analysts say that comparison is just plain wrong. There is no equivalency. But the far left does have a militant fringe. Seth Jones is with the Center for Strategic and International Studies. The problem is not that people have views that are against fascism, against white supremacy, against racism. The problem is when you start getting into violence. When anti-fascists are linked to violence, it's typically fistfights and vandalism at protests. In fact, domestic terrorism numbers show that far-right extremists killed at least 38 people last year. For Antifa, the death toll was one. Okay, so that was, uh, that was uh, I think, Wednesday morning. I heard that on NPR. And so I knew I was going to go back and grab it. But throughout the day, I'm thinking, I'm having a little trouble finding it on NPR, where, you know, where they, they post everything online. So I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm having a false memory. Maybe I, just did, maybe I actually heard something different than what I thought I heard. Maybe I didn't really hear that woman say that Antifa is basically a peaceful group and just if any if and if anything happens different, it's just a fist fight. I was thinking, no, that that is so crazy. I couldn't have heard that right. Well, you heard it. There's a there's a national news corporation that we pay for with some tax money. If you ask them, they'll always say, Oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. It's not really just a drop in the bucket, the tax dollars. Then you say, well, that, okay, in that case, you won't mind, uh, you know, just being independent and going on, going your own way. They go, no, we would never survive without that drop in the bucket, Colin. There's a chick telling us what Antifa is, just a bunch of harmless, peaceful protesters who occasionally get into fistfights. So we've talked about this whole fistfight thing, right? When people talk about a fight, that's a mutual thing. That's mutual combat. Yeah, that's what the fellas like to say. When they go up and punch a white guy in the face, they say, oh, yeah, we just got into a fight. That's what the reporters like to say when they see a fella sneak up behind a white guy with brass knuckles on and punch him in the face. Yeah, I just saw that this morning. It's a little bit old, but people have been, it's been making the rounds lately. It was a fight. Man, two students got into a fight and one broke his jaw. But this, this, this idea that Antifa is just a couple of harmless little people is so far removed from reality. And here's the thing. It's also, it's not far, but it's really, it's far removed from what's happening in the news right now. I mean, we could go through Antifa, what they did in Seattle, a bunch. How many people died in that Seattle encampment, Antifa, Antifa encampment? Four. What's happening in Portland now? Boom. But there were two Antifa events just over the last couple of days, one in Chicago, one in Denver, that really should put the lie. Man, I don't even, I used to talk about this with Jesse Lee Peterson a lot. I talk about it whenever I'm on one of his shows. We'll talk about the importance of, he'll ask me about the importance of fathers and this and that. And I always look at him, I said, Jesse, I can't even believe we're having this conversation what kind of nut job is going to stand up and try to convince you and me that, that somehow fathers are irrelevant? 
And so you and I have to sit here and convince people that fathers are important. And that's what I feel now is like, I have to convince you that Antifa are a bunch of bad actors, violent bad actors. When it's been in the news every day for months and months and months and months, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, they like to mingle together. One provides cover for the other. Why don't we just look at two recent examples? One involving one of our favorite people around here, Michelle Malkin. She was at a pro-blue rally in Denver. We talked about this the other day, but it turns out there have been developments since then. The development since then is that the head of the Police Officers Association, the union in Denver, said that his officers on the scene were given instructions to stand down when Antifa stormed the stage and started attacking Michelle and other speakers on the stage with weapons. There are videos. There's a video of a chick, Antifa chick, pulling out one of those expandable wands, you know, the cops use. They kind of like take the place of billy clubs. You see her pull it out of a pack. She flicks her wrist and the whole thing comes out. That's a deadly weapon. So let's listen to um, Tucker Carlson talk about what Antifa was up in, up to in Denver, how alarming it was, how dangerous it was. And there were no fist fights going on out there. So over the weekend, left-wing terrorists, and they are associated with Antifa, attacked a pro-police rally, Back the Blue, in Denver, Colorado. Colorado State Representative Patrick Neville spoke at the rally. He joins us tonight. Mr. Neville, thanks so much for coming on. I read your pre-interview and it made my heart beat fast. I don't know if we have enough time for you to go through the whole thing, but give us the kind of summary of what you experienced this weekend at this rally. Well, essentially, we went up there and knowing that it would be dangerous, we actually had some volunteers um, accompany us from a local gun shop, DCF Guns, in my district, myself and Michelle Malkin. And we were essentially surrounded by Antifa. I mean, we're talking outnumbered four to one. Uh, we were actually lower in elevation than them, the way the facility worked out. And we were completely surrounded. And then before I know it, we were on stage while behind us, one of my friends was beaten down by four to five Antifa members. The folks that we had there volunteering had to kick those folks off of him. Um, and then eventually we had to actually evacuate and had it not been, quite frankly, for someone who I'd met moments before uh, ushering us into her car, I don't know if we would have gotten out of there unscathed. I mean, in the meantime, we were pushed around, we were spit on, we had things thrown at us. Uh, Michelle Malkin lost one of her shoes. Uh, my friend was severely beaten, had a black eye after it was done. Uh, we didn't have a single chance to speak. I mean, the band barely started even playing. And all this occurred right on the stage of the facility where we were supposed to be having our rally. It wasn't like it was a, a minor scuffle on the outskirts of the, the rally. It was right there on the stage. You're a lawmaker. I mean, what country is this? And more to the point, where were the police? Why wasn't someone protecting you? And that is the concern. I mean, I'm the House Republican leader in Colorado, the House Minority Leader, and so if it can happen to me and they can prevent me from speaking, they can really do this to anyone. And so it's really concerning because I think the order probably came up to stand down. We had the police union chief out there actually saying there was a stand down order. I don't know if that came from the mayor or even the governor, but we've had a serious problem with complete lawlessness here in Denver and to the point where you can't even show up to what should be a family-friendly back the blue rally, a properly permitted rally, and we were just totally attacked by thugs committing total violence to try to silence our speech. You have media outlets in Denver. It's a big city. Did this get any coverage, the violence against you? No, in fact, actually the opposite happened. We had a local anchor here, Kyle Clark, who was tweeting out and basically making fun of the situation and even said there was bonus points for those people who can identify me and then on top of that, we, we just have this total lawlessness that's just creeping into, it's, it's not just um, in Denver, it's actually creeping into the suburbs as well. That's just absolutely horrifying. Uh, wh what about other political leaders in the state? I mean, if, if they allow this kind of, if they allow a sitting lawmaker to be attacked and driven away, but with violence, I mean, what, you know, what happens next? And what are they doing about it? 
they're doing nothing about it whatsoever. And so I think we really need to appeal to the president. Uh, it's time that we actually have an investigation about what actually happened. But not only that, I think it's time that we actually have a stand your ground law in each state. Uh, the police weren't there to protect us had it not been for the volunteers that I had from the local gun shop and then another state representative was a former police officer. I don't know if we would have gotten out of there unscathed. And we were the lucky ones. We got out unscathed, but there were many folks that came out with huge gashes, had to go to the ER afterwards. Like I said, a former soldier of mine was stomped on and beaten down. And this all occurred right on the stage. We had they, they, the, the protesters came up and knocked down microphones, knocked down speakers, um, and I'm not talking just the, you know, the speakers, but the actual property and pushed and shoved Michelle Malkin and I around. And it was a very dangerous situation. I'm a combat vet, um, was a captain in the Army. And this is by far the most dangerous situation I have been in since I've been in combat. It's, it's so shocking. It's so shocking. The Democratic Party is allowing, is abetting this. And normal people are going to get very radical if this continues. I hate to say that, but it's true. And we all know it's true. Representative Neville, I, I'm glad you're OK. I really appreciate your telling your story tonight. Thank you. Why don't we just go to Chicago for a recent, again, this is a recent story in Chicago where Antifa <laughs> attacked cops, injuring 53 cops, putting 18 or 19 of them in the hospital. You'll hear about how they did it in a minute. But this is, this is, this is kind of typical Antifa stuff. They, you know, they, do, they throw a lot of stuff at cops or they throw stuff at anybody gets in their way and they hurt them. They're, vi they're serious, violent people. I know, we think of them as 23-year-old chicks with purple hair, nose rings, and uh, mommy and daddy issues. Well, that may be true, but that also makes them even more dangerous the crazier they are. But see, Antifa is crazy on the surface. I'm okay with that in a way. It's like, yeah, you know, if you're going to go around attacking cops... Uh, all in the name of Black Lives Matter, all in the name of the greatest lie of our generation, the hoax of black victim victimization of white racism. I get that. But what I don't get is when a person from NPR, I mean, ignores all this. How much work do you have to do to actively ignore the fact that Antifa is at its core a group of violent revolutionaries? Violent Violence, that's their thing. Violence. Fist fights. Get an image of two, two third graders at school, you know, rolling around on a dusty playground somewhere. That's not what's happening here. Let's, let's have a little reminder of what happened in Chicago the other night with Antifa. Yeah, police were caught off guard by the violence Friday night. 49 officers injured, 18 of them went to the hospital after projectiles and fireworks were thrown at them during that protest. Now the superintendent today ordered all of his officers to wear any and all protective gear when covering protests. We must warn you, some of you may find this video disturbing. Police video captured a violent attack on officers who were protecting the statue of Christopher Columbus during a protest Friday night in Grant Park. What began as a peaceful protest at Grant Park Friday evening devolved into a very dangerous situation in which mob action deliberately sought to injure officers. The mayor decried the violence, calling those responsible vigilantes. The police video showed one person dumping out a backpack with what appeared to be frozen water bottles, which were then thrown at officers. Demonstrators also hurled fireworks, one sergeant suffering a broken eye socket from the shrapnel. Police said the PVC pipe used to hold the Black Lives Matter banners had been sharpened and were taken out and used to jab at officers. That's not peaceful protest. That's anarchy, and we are going to put that down. We are actively investigating and we will bring those people to justice. We want people to feel safe. Members of the city council's progressive caucus focused their criticism on police who were accused of punching one 18-year-old protester in her mouth. We need to change our, our way to approach public safety the way that we approach this kind of situation because we cannot have teenagers, exemplary teenagers, being brutalized, you know, by participating in, her, in, the, free, in, the, in the freedom to speak. The superintendent said officers are now going to approach every protest as though it could turn violent. He was asked if he thought the organizers knew some people were planning to attack police. But I hope not. But it sure looks like it. 
we reached out to Black Lives Matter Chicago to respond to what the mayor and the superintendent had to say, but our emails and calls were not returned. We went over this the other day, so we don't have to do it again, but the idea that that police chief who just arrived in Chicago from Dallas, the idea that he is also actively ignorant of what Antifa's been doing all over the country for months and months and years, and he goes, well, we, you know, we can't get our mind around now. The people who try to hurt us. Oh, man. Wow. You have to be actively ignorant, willfully ignorant to say something like that. And there's no pushback, no reporter going, well, they've been doing it around here in Chicago for a long time. You weren't ready for that? Or do you have some kind of political sympathies that prevented you from seeing the true nature of the people who you agreed with? Yeah, guess which one is more likely? Do you need a break? Are you tired of forgiving all of your assailants? Are you fed up with hoping they get the help they need? Do all of the kids in your community need some activities and resources to occupy their time after a busy day of curing cancer and building rockets for NASA? Well, we here at Don't Make the Black Kids Angry Studios have heard your screams. Do you like to watch spineless liberals soil themselves? Play this music at your next event. In the hospitals, cause I stabbed you with We guarantee to have them frantically vomiting an overcompensated desperate word salad of incoherent hogwash in a pathetic attempt to eliminate the very last ounce of racism that exists within them. But everyone in the world is asking, where can I find these amazing renditions? Finding this music is easy. Just go to ColinFlaherty.com and click on the music page. Once again, ColinFlaherty.com. You can order an entire album or just individual tracks if you like. Once again, ColinFlaherty.com. Don't delay though. Our Silicon Valley cowardly overlords are always finding many ways of passive-aggressively stifling our efforts in bringing you such musical treasures as the ones you're hearing right now. If you purchase the Christmas album, have yourself a merry fellow Christmas, and are wanting more of these non-holiday timeless arrangements as desperately as you want police presence in your neighborhood, drop a few shekels in our tin can and we'll send it right over. A couple weeks ago, I think it was on July 4th, a new group kind of burst on the national scene. They're called the NAFC. Literally, their name is the... Not and NFAC, the Not Fucking Around Coalition. It's a bunch of fellows, a bunch of lady, lovely ladies, many of whom have much, many of whom have military experience, but they wear black shirts, black hats, black boots, black pants. They wear black masks. They carry weapons, shotguns, AR-15s, or, or semi-automatic rifles. And they uh, made their, they burst on the scene when about 200 of them showed up at Stone Mountain, Georgia. Kind of, they were, mar- I won't say it was, you know, it wasn't exactly like recruit day at the, you know, graduation day at the Marine Corps basic training base in, in Paris Island. But they were marching, about, I don't know, four, five, six across. Ended up at Stone Mountain, Georgia. And one of them was walking around going, Where are you people? We're here. Why did you come down and, you know, do this and do that? Okay, so now they're going, now they're going to do something again on July the 25th, which I believe is tomorrow, Saturday. And um, they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to go to Louisville. I just finally figured out for sure how to pronounce Louisville. It's Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky, where somebody named Brianna Taylor, uh, the cops busted into her place. Her boyfriend shot at them. Cops shut back. I think they killed them both. 
So now people are and the, 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 they were saying originally that there was it was a no knock warrant. The cops did not announce themselves. They just went in their guns blazing. Now it turns out that that probably wasn't true either. Anyway, everybody's still pissed off at Breonna Taylor, including the NFAC coalition. So they're all going to meet in Louisville on Saturday. And they're going to march somewhere, all gunned up. They said they're going to have five times more people there. That's a thousand fellas with high-powered weapons and some semblance of organization and military training. So anyway, why don't we hear a little bit on the news story from that? And why don't we hear this guy? Then why don't we hear this guy talk for like four or five minutes after the news story? We'll let him talk. Hear him talk about what he and his fellas are up to. The First and Second Amendments could be on full display in Louisville this weekend if and when an armed black militia comes to town. WDRB's Chad Mills reveals why one Louisville leader isn't panicking. We will be descending on the city of Louisville, Kentucky on July 25th. That's the founder of yet another group planning a protest in Louisville to demand justice for Breonna Taylor. But this group isn't like others. Black boots. Black pants, black button-down shirt, black mask, shotgun, semi-automatic, or rifle. We, we are the NFAC. The group known as the NFAC says it won't be demonstrating or marching, but lining up a formation of armed black militia members, which the group did just weeks ago during a July 4th gathering at Stone Mountain, Georgia. According to media reports, Park Police called that gathering peaceful and orderly. This is going to be five times as many of us this time. Louisville leaders are already preparing. People have the First Amendment right to free speech, uh, but we coordinate with those groups to make sure that everybody is safe. Metro Council President David James and Attorney General Daniel Cameron conference called with the organizer known as Grandmaster Jay. What I understand is from talking to them, uh, they are very focused on the Breonna Taylor case. James says any group of out-of-state armed protesters is cause for concern, as well as the possibility of counter-protesters. But James said the First and Second Amendment rights, when practiced lawfully, apply to everybody. I do believe very strongly that they themselves will conduct a peaceful protest. The organizer told his members the firearms will only be used in self-defense. You want to get your brothers together and go down there and start ripping people out their damn house and shooting them like they used to do us, then you're no better than they are. We are a militia, not a mob. They plan to meet outside Central High School at noon Saturday. I'm going to let you all know, all members of the NFAC, that we will be descending on the city of Louisville, Kentucky, on July 25th. July 25th, NFAC, Louisville, Kentucky. I'm going to say it one more time. July 25th, Louisville, Kentucky. I will give you the location and time a little later but I have given you the date, July 25th, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Let me make it clear to everybody, and I'm talking to NFAC members only at this point. Black boots, black pants, black button-down shirt, black mask, shotgun, semi-automatic or rifle, pistols, thigh holsters, or under your arm. If you're not in that uniform, won't be in the formation, period. No fake guns, no nothing. I'm not playing with y'all this time. I'm trying to keep you safe. If you are not a full-fledged member of the NFAC, and you come in the proper uniform and you have your weapon and you go into what we call the red formation. Don't worry, you'll find out what it is. Then at that time, if you're already in our database, you will be sworn in. Everybody else that comes and gets a blue band, you're going to have somewhere to be because that means you're going to be doing something. Everybody else. This ain't no spectator sport. You can come out if you want to want to watch history. That's cool. But um, understand the seriousness of the situation. 
Breonna Taylor um, was murdered in her home. Conversations are still ongoing. I'm not going to reveal the details. However, um, I'm still got to move. I got to move. I got to move on this one. We got to we got we got to go in on this one. y'all. So I've given you the date. NFAC full mobilization. Um, all field commanders get in touch with me. All my intel people, you know what to do. Um, that's all I got for you. That's what you was waiting to hear. Now you got it. Spread the word. July 25th, 2020, Louisville, Kentucky, NFAC, motherfucker. And I'll see y'all later. Shalom. I can. Oh, okay. Hold on. This question was asked. Somebody said they want me before I go, y'all. Before I go, hold up, hold up. Okay. So, question was asked was if you're not ex-military, can you not be in the formation this time? You can be in the formation, but you're gonna have to do some things the way that we tell you to do them. Okay. So we're allowing that. Also, somebody asked the question about children. No, there'll be no children in this formation and you, and you will not be, you will not be walking behind us this time. So you can be on the sides and spectate all you want. That's fine. But this formation is going to be a lot tighter than the last one. Now we're going to find out who full of talk right now. We're going to see who really going to pull up. Really? Who going to pull up? Because all this right here is just typing on the board. Who going to be there is the question. Because you got to have heart. And I love you for that. That's my people. We all feel in this moment. This is our moment. And they're not going to take that from us. They don't want to see this. Because if you thought what was historic that happened in Stone Mountain, I know my people now. I know y'all awake. And I'll see you in, <laughs> I'll see you in Louisville. In the meantime, y'all keep your head to the sky. I am not going to be back for facts over feelings because I'm working on some logistics for Louisville. So, um, as I said before, spread the word to other members who didn't get the message. The date has been announced and we are going to, um, we're going to go in, we, we're going to go and check some things out. Okay. We're going to check some things out. And, um, I would hope that y'all would join me back here in the meantime and in between. Home stores across America are reopening. Celebrate with black. Really? Hey, they got a sale on the home stuff, bruh. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so I want y'all to meet me back here. I got some more details to give out. Um, administrative note, body armor. If you wear body armor, you must have the shields in the body armor. We find you out there without no body armor. You got to go. We learned our lesson from last time. Okay. If you have never fired the weapon before, don't bring your ass out there. Okay. This ain't the time for you to learn. We don't play that shit. All the chapters that are doing rehearsals, that are doing their training. I need to see the reports. What else I need to say before I get up off of here? Hmm. I think that's it. I think I got it figured out. Y'all ready to have some fun? Y'all ready to make history, black folks? I'm ready to make some history, too. And to all of y'all who think it's a game, not at all. We just need somebody in custody for the murder of, of Miss Brianna. That's all. That's all this is really about. And it's, I'm, sa- I'm sorry that I got to come to this, um, but y'all ain't really left us no choice. We really don't have a choice. So y'all please come and... Um, be a part of the formation. This is a formation. This is not a march. This is not a demonstration. This is a formation. And I will give you the location uh, that's big enough to hold all of the ones that I know are going to come. And we're going to get it together. Now, all my first round people, y'all already know the drill. I'll see y'all out there. And um, let's see if we can move the, move the chess pieces around a little bit for Brianna. Okay. I'll see y'all later. Y'all have a blessed day. In the meantime, if you have a question about joining in fact, um, not that it's going to help right now because most of us are already in. I want y'all to info at blacknfac.com. I see y'all uh, tomorrow night.
gonna meet some quote gentle people unquote there for those who come to San Francisco better learn to kneel and say your final prayers in the streets of San Francisco mounds of crap and nobody cares all across the nation biggest light of our generation endless commotion just so we don't forget what we are up to around here we are up to exposing the greatest lie of our generation the hoax of black victimization the hoax of white racism and how so many people are in denial deceit and delusion about it we expose that every day here by bringing you stories of black crime violence mayhem and how reporters and public officials either shrug their shoulders, they don't connect the dots, or they just don't give a damn, or they just pretend this thing's happening in isolation. There is no pattern. I'm not going to pretend that the guy we're about to hear is crazy on the same level as that, re- that young reporter we just heard over at NPR. He's not. But at the same time, it does take an awful lot of work to do a story about a fella killing a couple of white girls It takes a lot of work not to acknowledge the clear pattern that white women in relationship with black men are eight to ten times more likely to get killed than if they were in a relationship with just a good old, regular old, plain old vanilla white guy. Here with the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, we're at this shooting for hours on Wednesday, and right now they tell me it's still unclear if this person who was found in St. John's County is connected to this double homicide. They had their whole lives ahead of them. Beautiful young girls. Two sisters, 19 and 20 years old, Lazaro Ponce's nieces. I would have given anything for not to be in this situation. I would have given my own life for those two girls. This is horrific. Just after 9 o'clock Wednesday morning, police got a call. When they arrived at the home on Overlook Road in Lantana, they found the two young women. Both had been shot to death. You see this on the news. You see this on the first 48. And you never think it's going to be you. You never think it's going to be your family. Our family's destroyed. Police have not released any information about a suspect or a motive, but Ponce says his niece's ex-boyfriend is responsible. My youngest niece was involved in a relationship that she shouldn't have been involved in. And uh, he came here and 
and murdered both of them. And detectives are looking into whether that suspect was involved in this. This is St. John's County, North Florida. Early Wednesday evening, deputies there spotted a car on I-95 that was wanted in South Florida. They forced the vehicle to stop and found the driver with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Deputies said the man was flown to the hospital with life-threatening injuries. Ponce had said earlier he wants the killer found, but he also knows nothing can bring back his nieces. Holidays will never be the same. My son will never get to know his aunts. How do you come back from this? Family has asked that we not release the names of It's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. I can't wait to be your neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Well, my mother said I'm an ambassador. She said I'm a fellow whisperer. I'm sure it's fine. Works all the time. I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I brought my family so they can endure the abuse. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. I'll get on my knees and I'll beg and I'll pray. Don't rape my wife, don't take my life. Please don't be my neighbor. Won't you please take my keys? Please don't kill me, your neighbor. You know, ever since I started doing these podcasts and, vid and videos and books, long time, every once in a while, sometimes it goes in waves, right? And uh, But it goes, sometimes I get a lot of comments going, Hey, Colin, where's Tommy? You haven't seen you on Tommy's show lately. They're talking about Tommy Sotomayor. I've been on a show a couple times. A very popular YouTube channel. I've always was very impressed with Tommy, how He's running this show by himself, and he's, you know, he's got his hands on all these. So technically, with lighting and sound, and the way he just fits into it very casually, um, there's a lot going on there. Tommy handles it very well. But even so, but I mean, the thing that I only judge people in this sphere, or to use the local, you know, late, latest parlance, I only judge people in this space. Really, I just ask one question: Is that person a truth teller? Well, they let us know what's going on, even if it's at some cost to them. And Tommy Sotomayor fits squarely into that category. He's a truth teller. Now, when he, when he asked me to be on a show, I said, sure, sure. He goes, well, we're going to have a debate on this. I got on the air and said, I don't know what we're going to debate about. You know, I kind of I like what you're doing. I've never heard you say anything about stuff that's in my my sphere of interest that I disagreed with. Tommy, he's calling out black crime and violence just as much as I am, if not more. He's caught me. He, he adds, you know, the women to the mix a little bit more. Since, uh, <clears throat> ask any of my girlfriends, will tell you that was not really one of my big areas of expertise. But anyway, so from time to time, sometimes I get a lot, little, but go, hey, Colin, what's Tommy up to? Hey, Colin, you heard Tommy said this. Hey, Colin, you heard Tommy said that. Listen, here's a okay, I'm going I'm gonna go into truth telling mode now. And I talked about this with Jared Taylor a couple more than once. People who produce these produce podcasts like this or videos or write books, we don't have a lot of time to read to watch other people's podcasts. We just don't. When people send me clips of them, I'm happy to get them. But as far as consuming every somebody every day, um I have a hard time with that, so because I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm going all over the place trying to find material for these podcasts. So anyway, somebody the other day sent me a link, say, "Hey, Colin, you got to see what Tommy said about you, man. What's up over there?" And so I thought, okay, maybe Tommy said something nice about me because the last time I talked to Tommy, it's been a couple years, but the last time I talked to him. He wanted me to go on tour with him. So we'd be, you know, I'd go out there first and say this and that. Then he'd go out second, say this and that. Then that's the way I saw it anyway. Then we'd come back together and say this and that and field some questions and bing, bam, boom. I, you know, I would have felt very comfortable going on tour with Tommy. Anyway, that's somehow that kind of slipped through the cracks. I think he may have actually ended up doing a couple by himself. I don't know how it turned out. But anyway, here's Tommy Sotomayor yelling at one of his peeps 
for saying, for ask for bringing up the name of good old Colin. Obed, you got kicked out of my chat room for talking about another motherfucker now. How about that? You got kicked out of my chat room for talking about another motherfucker. Now, if you'd like to keep on talking about another damn nigga and his fight, because let me tell you something, his fight to stay on YouTube is different than my damn fight to stay on YouTube, motherfucker. And when your white people come over here talking about a white man and got kicked the fuck off, listen, I got a thing called a cash app. And if you ain't going to advertise my shit, you don't get to advertise his because I'm pretty sure when I was going through my shit and getting threatened and motherfuckers putting my information out and all kinds of shit happened to me. I'm pretty sure y'all wasn't over in his comment section talking about what's going on with me. So fuck you and fuck him. I do my own thing. Auf Zane. Every one of you motherfuckers always writing that stupid shit in my comment section like this nigga was the messiah or something. Colin Flaherty. Fuck about no Colin Flaherty. I'm my own man. Talk about me. If you want to see Colin Flaherty videos, go to his house, nigga. Oh, my shit talking about what happened to him. When something happened to me, who you going to tell? Ghostbusters? Sick of seeing this motherfucker's name in my shit. Y'all act like we were born and separated at birth. Like this motherfucker was my Siamese twin or something. Look, in a way, I kind of get it. By the way, I'm not mad at the guy. In a way, I kind of get it. Because even though we're truth, you know, people like Tommy and me, we try, we aspire to be truth tellers. Lots of other people do the same thing. At the same time, in the back of our mind, we're going, hey, this is a business. And we get, you know, unless we treat it like a business, this channel and this platform isn't going to grow. It's not going to last long. And that's not a good situation. So I treat it, try to treat it like a business. I'm, sometimes I fail. I mean, a lot of times I'll say, yeah, go over there, listen to that guy or watch that guy. I mean, I tell people this about Jared Taylor all the time. I say, if you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, get it, get up to speed from zero to 100 miles an hour, go just watch two Jared Taylor videos at random and you'll be just fine. But I think the attitude, if I were a good business guy, if I were a good marketing guy, my attitude would be, yeah, I'm Colin Flaherty. I'm the only one who's doing this in this entire universe. When fact of the matter is other people do it, maybe not the same way I do it, maybe not as often or pointed as I do it. But, you know, there are a lot of people that do it. Sometimes I jump on them a little bit for 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 not con not connecting the dots, not being explicit about what they're covering as black crime and violence wildly out of proportion. But everybody's trying to do the best they can. But I don't know what I did to get under Tommy. So Tommy Soto put a burr under that dude's saddle. But I but. I guess I kind of, so what I, what I guess I was saying a second ago is I guess I kind of get it a little bit. You're running a business. You want people to focus on what you're saying. Um, that happens. Listen, I'm just telling you, it happens when you're doing something. Sometimes people are talking about something different than what you want them to talk about. You know, I do this big thing, uh, you know, a big article and people will, you know, focus on something not not unfortunately what a brilliant fellow Colin Flaherty was for writing that article, doing that video, making that podcast. I mean, sometimes people, they actually talk about other things like what's in there. So I guess I understand a little bit that Tommy can get impatient if people are going over there and saying, hey, Tommy, you got to watch Colin. You hear what that crazy dude said today? You know, I guess his attitude is probably like that famous attorney in front of the Senate when he when he's representing Oliver North, and he said, I am not a potted plant. So Tommy Sotomayor is not a potted plant. And anybody who listens to this podcast or videos or books, you know I don't go like, hey, okay, everybody, go over to Tommy Sotomayor's channel and tell him, you know, drop the name Colin Flaherty in there all the time. I don't, I don't I've never said that even once, but I, every time, and I don't, I actually caught myself the other day thinking to myself, I don't do this enough. I don't say, hey, if you're over at Mark Levine, drop my name on his website. Or if you're on, like we have one of our, we had a Brex Mill in Exile gang, gang member. I won't tell you who it was. It wasn't Willie Shields, okay? It just wasn't. If it was, I would tell you that name right away. Anyway, this is a guy that actually travels 
quite a ways to come spend time with us whenever he can, a couple times a month. And he goes, hey, I was on Mark, I was on Mark Levin the other night, you know, on, the, on his radio show talking about this, Colin. And I'm sitting there in my mind, reacting exactly in the way Tommy Sotomayor would have reacted. I'm sitting there in my mind going, I don't really need to hear the great gems of wisdom you said about black crime, violence, mayhem, destruction, destruction, and the denial, deceit, delusion surrounding it. I just want to know if you mentioned my name in my books. That's all I cared about. He didn't. <laughs> so I didn't. Get, I may have given him the fisheye, but I didn't tell him anything. But uh, I mean, that's the kind of the, the world we live in. We're trying to be here. We're trying to, to be helpful and tell the truth. But every once in a while, we have to raise our eyebrows and remind people what what your role is in helping this channel get bigger, grow stronger, grow faster. And that's and, and I think maybe that's just what Tommy was doing with me. I don't know how I got to be the brunt of it. But again, I don't worry about Tommy. I don't worry about personal attacks. I just not not for people that I consider truth tellers. So, you know, I don't. And and so I'm still good with Tommy. I, my guess is he's good with me. People have good days. People have bad days. And sometimes people have days. Everything they do somehow makes the black kids angry. I left the bar in San Francisco. They'll never get another dime from me. That city near the pole